Gua sobro. Ai. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the two subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Alright, and hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the third sub-podcast presented by Macy Sport. We're back, episode 135 of the show. I'm your co-host, Alexander Gonga Ruzik, joined as always by Samuel Rowan. And we got a lot of Whitecaps, a lot of Vancouver Whitecaps chatter. Uh, the games came thick and thin in May, which is, is now all but officially over. Maybe by the time you're listening, it is over. For us, it is, you know, very close to the end. I mean, a jam, jam-packed month of, of soccer for the Vancouver Whitecaps. It was make or break. And for the most part, surprisingly, it ended up making uh, the, the Whitecaps. The left t- last time we left you, heading into a home match Wednesday night no one knew what to expect league lead or one of the top teams in the league sorry in FC Dallas we now come back to you the Whitecaps fortunes have drastically changed we'll dive into all of that of course so not to spoil too much there um, but into all of that Sam how's it going uh this week I suppose it's uh, it doesn't feel like it's been 14 days since the last show but just really is indicative of how these games have just kind of been stuffed down uh, down our throats for lack of a better way to put it in terms of this schedule which is both a blessing and a curse yeah what a what a crazy stretch for the white caps and just big picture have to say impressive how they were able to deal with uh, the slew of health and safety protocols uh, the condensed schedule you know canadian championship making things even more challenging now obviously other teams dealing with U.S. Open Cup as well. Other teams dealing with Canadian Championship. They weren't the only ones. But uh, yeah, finally, COVID kind of caught up with the Whitecaps. They had their first real challenge in that department. Uh, missing some key players like Ryan Gold, Lucas Cavallini for matches. Uh, but at the end of the day, since we last spoke on the podcast, uh, two conv- not convincing wins, but you know, smash and grabby wins in MLS where they just... They found a way to get the job done, a uh, a taking care of business at the end of the day against Cavalry in the Canadian Championship. Things got a little tense, a little scary late on. I think some people having deja vu there, but hey, um, in the end, they managed to, to get the job done. And then the most chaotic match of them all, a 2-1 loss in Charlotte. Uh, you got a 17-year-old starting in goal. Uh, you have no idea who's even going to be on the roster up to 24 hours before the match. Uh, big shout out to our uh, guest, the starting 11 contest members on 86 Forever. Like that was an absolute nightmare to try to predict. We had people in the comments just saying York United keeper or like question mark, question mark for who is going to be in goal because no one knew, right? So uh, at the end of the day, to to get three wins out of those four matches, I mean, the one obviously in the Canadian Championship, one you'd certainly be expecting, uh, I think it's a good showing to to get a road win against Sporting Kansas City, even if, yeah, they're on horrible form, one of the worst teams in the league this year, 
uh, really shocking how how quickly KC has fallen down to earth. But nonetheless, to go into Children's Mercy and and get three points, I don't think you can just completely discount that or throw that away. Like that's still worth something. Vanny Sartini showing his tactical flexibility uh, throughout all four matches, really, you know, having to use that squad rotation he talked about. So uh, we're going to dive into, we're not going to talk about everything that happened over all four matches, but we're going to talk about some themes and especially kind of looking forward. Now the Whitecaps have put themselves in the mix for the playoffs. They've, they've got some players returning to form. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see now as the summer builds what this Whitecaps group is able to do. So I think lots in that respect to talk about the show. As always, cannot wait to get into it, Alex. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 interesting of games. That's that's really the the best way to to sum it up. Just how you know such different results, especially the the one thing that was was just killing the Whitecaps was just these absences. You'd get someone back and then you'd be all of a sudden short four goalies and like, you know, be short your, your short, your number 10, and then he'd come back and then you're short your, one of your starting strikers. And uh, you know, you're, it's, it's just been chaotic. You got in the suspensions, you add in all the travel, it's, you know, it made for, for quite the few weeks, but it's kind of rolling through quickly just to, to, to kind of rejog the memories. I mean, just looking through the first game, bank for Whitecaps beating FC Dallas, because uh, I'm looking back at all four of these games, what's most important, I guess, about this is obviously the results because the Whitecaps needed results. They had their their string of moral victories without points at the beginning of the year. But also it's kind of how they won, too. I mean, we, we talked maybe a bit before how that uh, Toronto FC win, maybe, you know, was it horrendously lucky? Probably. But for whatever reason, that that win has sparked something in, in the Whitecaps ever since. Some of the results they've grabbed, the Valor one, the San Jose draw, and then you head into this stretch of games. First, the Dallas one, you're playing one of the hottest teams in the league at home. You go down a goal off a terribly defended, you know, sequence, one that, that had the Whitecaps frustrated. Uh, you know, yeah, we're like, oh, this is it. Dallas is going to turn it on. And they came back and they won. And not they didn't just win. They, like, convincingly won in the second half. They played good uh, you know, football. I, I remember what from that game. There was a, on the first goal, for example, when Brian White scored Christian Gutierrez cross. I remember the Caps strung together about fifteen to twenty passes beforehand, which is unheard of for for a goal. Usually, it's high press or turnover or something. You know, something of that. Like it was a proper team goal, and I think that was kind of indicative of their comeback. There, they head into Charlotte, missing all sorts of bodies. Put up a good fight. You know, they score early. You do wonder maybe could they hold, held on. But I think considering the circumstances, for example, it's worth noting Charlotte has the sixth best home record in MLS right now. They have five wins and two losses at home. So for a Whitecaps team that has struggled on the road, the 17-year-old Max Anker in goal, who, you know, considering he was injured, this is his first pro start. He acquitted himself very well in moments. Yes, maybe there's some moments where he's green. He's 17. That's going to happen. I thought the Whitecaps, I was expecting a lot more there in the sense of like a lot worse, sorry, in terms of it could have been three, four or five nil. So I think that again, two, one late goal, it is what it is. And then the, the last two, again, more character, you go to cavalry. Yes. You, 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 you get, you know, you dominate the start of the game. Then you let them dominate, which is bearing Meyer Bevin <laughs> scores just an absolute you know, phenomenal world-class goal, former Whitecaps player. Of course it is former Whitecaps player. Uh, 
but then they, they come back late and you know that that was a good sign from the Whitecaps they come back late you go into the penalty shootout you look calm you look composed you take care of business and then last but not least you had an SKC never easy I mean it's been five years since they last won there I'm pretty sure an Eric Hurtado goal and a Stefan Marinovic penalty save was was what won the Whitecaps the game last time they went to SKC just to get an idea of how long it's it's been hearing some of those names so to, to get a goal from Lucas Cavalin, who stays red hot, in my opinion, because it's been not just the goal Cavalin, just his overall play, just a good stretch of games, uh, both in terms of results and, and, and performance. I think that's what the Caps really needed to close out this month of May. Absolutely. That's, that's very succinctly recapped. I mean, I guess just touching back, looking through it, I think you, you made a great point that in that last you know, 20, 25 minutes, FC Dallas, and really a good bit of the second half, that was some some bright football from the Whitecaps. They really managed to to string some together, some quality attacking play. Like, they actually looked legitimately threatening for, for good stretches there. That was nice to see. Charlotte, like, I think I see you just chalk that one up to, uh, it was going to be a long day going in, really to keep it within a goal. I mean, hey, Huge shout out to Toss St. Ricketts. Um, you know, he's just, he's been full value for what they signed him for, which is, you know, emergency depth. And I thought it was so cool that you had, you know, the ultimate vet, Toss St. Ricketts, like 34, about to turn 35. And then you have a 17 year old keeper. And that those two were storylines in that match. I thought that was super cool. What makes football, what makes sports special, how you can have that kind of thing going on. And then uh, Cavalry, I think you recapped it well. The one thing is, I don't know, Alex, you're you're more plugged into the CPL side of things. So I don't know if you have, I guess it doesn't count for these uh, Canadian championship matches, but I'd love to see XG numbers from that game because, I mean, Cavalry only had two shots on target and obviously the one shot on target was from well outside the box, not an effort you expect uh, a team to score on. So I thought actually that, for a road game with the nerves it had for the Whitecaps that they, you know, comported themselves pretty decently. You would have liked to see some more chance creation maybe on their side, but I thought that at the end of the day, uh, getting through was was a deserved result. And then kind of talked about Casey a bit already, but and we'll also dive into, I guess, some of the individual players and stuff like that. But as as we both said, can't, you know, can't cough at going into SKC, going up against Peter Vermees and, and getting a win. And I do wonder this isn't a this isn't a sporting KC show, but I wonder if changes are in order there because that's uh, has been a really tough start to the year. Not to take anything away from the Whitecaps, but uh, Kansas City offensively has looked completely out of ideas in both matches uh, we've seen between these two teams. And I mean, that's credit to Vanny Sartini for setting up so defensively. Uh, we were joking about it pre-show, playing six defenders, but only one center back. Uh, but they obviously knew that uh, SKC wasn't going to have much to offer going forward. So you could afford to set up that way and then just really do whatever you like with it. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a quality. The more I talk it through, Alex, the more I'm convinced that, I mean, man, the only the only match you dropped was the one where you were severely, severely undermanned on the road against a team with a good road record. So I don't think you have to uh, 
hang your head too much at, at, at what you've seen lately. And, you know, now coming up against RSL, uh, you've got an opportunity to test yourself against another team that's been really good in the West, another chance to jump up the uh, the playoff standings, get that a little bit closer. So uh, I do think overall things are looking up. The big question, obviously, one we'll touch on is, you know, what if any formula for success has been created? Uh, what's the outlook going into the rest of the season? That's obviously what, you know, people are focused on at this point. Yeah, well, to, to, to kind of return to a few of the points that you, you said. Firstly, I blame MLS for SKC struggle, the three DPs, top heavy, as, as we know, to, to lose Alan Polito and Gaddy Kinda for the whole season as early as they did in the season. It's always going to be an uphill battle. So, I mean, it's, it's the SKC life cycle, you know, two years good, one year, you know, in the dumps. Remember in 2019, the SKC, I'm pretty sure, finished below the Whitecaps in that famed Mark DeSantis year. Came very close to, to doing so. So uh, there always do a few years. I don't know if Peter Vermees will leave, but uh, just to kind of, you know, you know, also re- re- returning to one of the, the points you made, Cavalry, Whitecaps, 1.85 expected goals for the Whitecaps, 0.68 allowed. Uh, so very solid performance, I think. And, you know, one Meyer Bevan Golasso, and you know some of the chances. Marco Carducci doesn't make any ridiculous saves in the first half. It's a, a whole different game. But uh, I think the Cavalry game is also really it's it shows what the Whitecaps have been good at in the last few. You know, the, the recently in terms of just getting results, as they've just been finding a, a way. It's been as this cliche as it is, but you always hear about the Whitecaps, their group and how it's, you know, good. They got good chemistry. I think we're finally seeing that shine through because at the start of the season, there were arguably some better performances in some of these games. Yet it was, you know, you can't really sit there and be like, oh, they should have got more to Houston away and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, they lost. Poor defending sunk them. It was a lot of moral victories, but not actual victories. You know, whereas recently, there are many issues to, to sort out. Don't get me wrong. For example, the Whitecaps continue to struggle to score first and score in the first half. Like I'm pretty sure if you go back to the start of 2021, it's something like a 70 or 80% split of their goals have all been in the second half, which is both extremely impressive, but also extremely worrying on the, by the other end of like you just a, a refusal to score first and, and whatnot but I mean I just look at all the wins since they came home I think of that Toronto game because they came back to this Toronto game that was kind of like our, our big game where like the Caps need to win this Toronto weakened you know weakened team uh, injuries etc at the time the Whitecaps starting a home game or run a home games they'd come off a bunch of tough road results and that Austin one you know fresh in their minds they got that bye week we, we said we're like okay in this homestand they just need to start finding results like you know at a certain point you need to do that and what what i like most is when you look back at this run of results is how they got things done i mean first toronto a, a late 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 winner that's you know something we haven't typically always seen from the white caps but it was good you know a game where yes should they've been losing probably but they stayed in the game somewhere or another and they finished with, you know, strong. They didn't let it get to their heads. That's a great win. You, you beat Valor. Okay. You take care of business in the can champ as, as a team of your, your caliber should, that's a good result. You go to San, you play San Jose, you're missing, you know, gold with the, the, the protocols and whatnot. You get a three, three draw late. You are, you honestly, you're, you're a inch away from winning the game, 
that's that's good character. You go to the Dallas game, you come, you, you're playing the one of the top teams. You're down one nil. You come back. Good to see. You know, you, you kind of continue through those results. You remove the Charlotte one from the equation for obvious reasons. You return to the next two Cavalry. You're away in a in a stadium that you know haunted you a couple of years ago. The, you know the curse, the CPL curse starts to come up. You're that you're you're wondering, okay, maybe the injuries are catching up. Maybe this just isn't meant to be. You come back with an Erica Doy goal. You won in penalties efficiently. Again, another good fight back. And then for this SKC game to go up 1-0, something which they've actually, for some reason, have been really good at doing on the road. I think you look at it's what Houston away, LAFC away now. Like there's been some good places where they've gone up 1-0. The problem is they'll end like 3-1 or 4-1 or something, you know, 2-1 or something like that. They hold on. They do not budge right till the very end. It takes a 93rd minute a header off the line or whatever it was from Javane Brown to officially seal the result. But what I like about the, those those games is how the Whitecaps found results because I'd say, you know, b- before you, you could start to wonder, oh, are they showing the fight or et cetera, et cetera. But at least there's some it shows there's some sort of buy-in and commitment to what Vanny Sartini is saying and doing. And as we'll talk about, there is some questions to be had of, what the plan is sometimes, but the, the, the important thing is that there's that buy-in and that, that feel-good era is still kind of there because that's kind of something you see, you know? It's like, oh, well, the Whitecaps are losing now. There goes the, the good guy, Vanny Sartini. He's, you know, the Whitecaps aren't buying in anymore. It was all a sham. And, you know, we can dive into what you think of the tactics and et cetera. But the, the fact is that that magic is kind of still there in some form. And I do think that is important because, all of a sudden, had they lost a bunch of these games, they're 8, 9, 10, 12 points out of a playoff spot, they're out of the Canadian Championship, we're having a whole other discussion. But the way they they were able to, to, to fight back and score a lot of late goals and despite all their injuries, I mean, credit. Credit where it's credit's due on that one. Absolutely. I mean, what you can't take away is including that Toronto match. You're one loss in seven matches in all competitions and one loss in five in MLS. And that's, that's damn good, right? Like there's no, no two ways about that. And you can look back. And I think if you, if the answer to what I just said is well, but they, they didn't win in the best way, you know, they got lucky against Toronto. Um, They got to play two CPL teams. Uh, You know, they got fortunate whether it was against SKC or you think they got fortunate against Dallas. My response to that would be, you look at the Portland match and you look at the Montreal match right before Austin, the debacle in Austin, you can argue that the, the caps had self-inflicted wounds or were just kind of unlucky in those matches. And so, okay, you lost a couple points there, um, you know, dropping a full three points outright. Well, you gain some of that back um, with this recent run. So I think big picture, uh, you know, we got it on the notes here, looking at the white caps, you're now, you're off the bottom of the West. You're 12th, uh, just over a point per game, uh, 14 points through 13 matches. Ultimately, like, I think that's about where they should be right now. Um, you know, maybe you could argue there's, I would say the one thing is the seven full value losses. That's a bit unfortunate. You'd like to see them maybe have squeaked out one or two extra points in there. But ultimately, I think you've you've had some bad luck to start the year. Now you've had a little bit of good luck this past stretch. This is about where this team is right now with all the injuries, with the uh the people missing, the the additions coming late. 
Uh, I think, you know, you're, you're not out of the playoff race, but you, but you do have some significant work to do. That seems fair to me. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, considering what's about to come for the Whitecaps, they're in a great position. I think if anything, I, uh, considering I mean, their start and not not as good as you could great. be obviously but of course not i think in the context of their start and what they've they've dealt with in terms of injuries you look at the standings and the white caps all of a sudden have a game in hand on pretty much everyone except seattle which for obvious reasons is a Concacaf champions league winners they 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 you know had to, to postpone some games of the white caps one among them to get uh, where they are, but other than them, they have a game in hand on everyone. Shout out to uh, Minos Real Madrid, who will have to face the mighty Sounders at some point. Yeah, I think, I think Kareem Benzema is going to have his hands full with uh, Nuhu and uh, some of the other characters on the Seattle's lineup. But uh, <laughs> you look, other than Seattle, Whitecaps have at least a game in hand on everyone else, if not two in some cases, based on their schedule. Um, you know, they've got this RSL game this weekend during an international break. Yes. But as long as I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Whitecaps, if they're going to be able to keep Cavallini, maybe the one convenient part about Canada being in Vancouver and Vancouver being in Vancouver this week is maybe there's some sort of deal worked out there to, to keep Cava around the caps until as, as late as possible. But you've got this game coming up. You win that. And what's not, that's what I love about these game in hands. Like it's a proper game in hand. It's not one of those where, it's a game in hand, but everyone else is playing. The Whitecaps win. They're one point off the playoff line heading into an international break. Considering Kyle Alessandro hasn't seen the field yet, considering that Ryan Gold has been, like, it's hard to say if he's even been fully healthy yet because even every time he comes back, he's gone right away with a new ailment. It, does, it doesn't feel like it, does it? Uh, it's, it's tough what's drying right now. Yeah, and then you're without Brian White for a lot of it. You're without. You're about. You haven't seen Andreas Kubas yet. You haven't. You know. You've dealt with this whole rotation of center backs. You haven't seen your top center back pairing together. Thomas Assault's been out injured. Like, there's still a lot to come. And I think at the beginning of the season we said that, of course, but the white the results weren't going for the way for the Whitecaps. So the fact that they've gotten these results and they've gotten to where they are. And all of those things are still to happen. All of a sudden, the Whitecaps position gets all that much better. And that's what's optimistic. Because before, it kind of almost felt like blind hope. It's like, well, when then they'll be back. And then the Whitecaps will be okay. Whereas now, it's like, okay, the Whitecaps have been okay. And there is that kind of hope arriving on the the, the, the horizon here in terms of uh, the, the, the the these players. And I think because of that, this stretch for, for me was, was so keen. I think it really, it saved the state season. It's not even just MLS because it's so early in MLS season. It's 13 games. Uh, you know, at the, obviously the more you, you struggle, the bigger you have to, to, to push at the end. But for me, the goal right now for the Whitecaps, for example, has to be the Canadian championship and the fact that they've gotten the job done there. Now they have a home game against York. We know how good the Whitecaps are at home. So you back them in that game. Uh, you win that, you get a home game against TFC or Montreal. Again, given your home record, you'd back yourself in either of those games. That's massive. If the Whitecaps can obviously lift a trophy, you've only done that once in, in 11 years. That's obviously not nothing to, to scoff at. You add in the how they're doing in MLS. It, it, it's really been an important stretch. My mind is still blown at how the Whitecaps ended up on this side of the draw in the Canadian Championship. Like that just uh, how, how you're somehow rewarded for all your struggles the last couple of years, I, I find pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
not to be full optimist union here, but it, it does line up for, I, I think, what could be a really exciting summer for the Whitecaps because, okay, they're not going to, at this point, you know, you're not going to be one of the top teams in the West and like, that's fine. But a, but a playoff hunt, like what they put together last year, but hopefully a little bit less miraculous and a less of a last ditch attempt, I think is going to be very exciting. We also have to keep in mind that not to the same extreme as last year, but you do get a lot of those six pointers late in the season. I think it's something like the last, what, 10 or 12 games of the season are against teams from within your conference. I know you can chime in if you know exactly, Alex. It's something like that. I think they kind of, they realized how fun it is with the the new conference alignment split. So that's why you're seeing a lot of Eastern games this year. Like I'm pretty sure the Revs revolution are coming to town soon, et cetera, like that. It's kind of with that in mind. So again, it's like, you don't, yes, it's not a great start. And this is about where they deserve to be, but you're going to have the opportunity on a double match week later in the season to jump two, three, four spots in the standings pretty quickly if you're in top form. So I think that's, what's exciting for this team is that if you can get, I don't want to say everyone healthy, if you can get most of your squad healthy, uh, get them in match form, get them building some chemistry together um, and picking up wins in the process. Uh, then you've, you've got an opportunity to, to really do something and, and make some noise and at least be a competitive team. And, and you know, as you said, Alex, potentially, heck pick up some silverware in the process like what a what a novel concept that would be and and i think for vanny sartini you know if you're just if you're able to get into the playoffs and win the canadian championship that's a successful season ultimately i think you gotta you gotta build this project up one step at a time uh they maybe hit the fast forward button a little bit quick last year just the the way they were able to turn things around so quickly but ultimately i think those are two realistic goals that if you're able to achieve them, that's a, that's a successful year. So long as you feel like you're also building a, a larger project, which I think in terms of roster construction and some of the things that this team has going for it, they're, they're on a pathway where they can do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think heading into the season, if you ask most people what a good season for the white caps would be, it was make the playoffs and it was make the final of the Canadian championship. I'd say just, you know, obviously you want to win it, but I think reasonable given the past history, those were two things. And those are like very deliverable goals that you'd be pretty disappointed if you didn't see them happen. And again, like we mentioned, four points off the line. If they win their game in hand, there'll be one point off the line. That's goal number one. It's very within reach with, boy, what, 21 games to go in MLS play and uh, Canadian championship one win away from the final at home. Things line up there and, you know, you, 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 again, like we mentioned, a chance to win the can champ, but also in MLS play. I mean, one thing that's I, I've noticed this year for, for better, for worse, there isn't a team that's like, for whatever reason, there's been this trend this past few years where these teams have just decided to go record breaking mode. Like it was New England Revolution last year. It was like TFC the year before and, and Philadelphia and, and, and it was in 2020. Then in 2019, we obviously had that LAFC season that was bonkers. But like for the most part, the split in the West is actually like scarily small. Like I'm pretty sure like you look between second and 14th, there's 12 points. 
which like yes that is a lot but still really not a lot for this stage of the season like we've seen some just based like for example like you look at all the top teams like dallas with four draws rsl with four draws and three losses yeah the east in particular is a bloodbath I mean, I'll, I'll add, Alex, the whole league, really, like this applies to the, to the East as well. There's just, not, there's just not a lot to separate any of these teams. I mean, even LAFC that was looking dominant, dominant early on has come down to earth just a little bit, and, and they don't look impenetrable. So I think this is really, this MLS season is anyone's game. You have to feel like you're you know, not to use the, the classic sports adage, but like, you just got to get in the comp, you know, you just got to buy yourself a ticket. Right. And then see what happens in the playoffs. And I, I know that's a cliche. I know that's worn out. And statistically, like, you know, we see in the NHL playoffs this year, like the best teams have risen to the top, but uh, there's a lot of parody in this league right now, that being MLS. And uh, so I think that bodes well for the white caps who, don't stand out, but can certainly be in the mix. Well, it's just, I find it interesting. Cause I mean, I think LAFC has kind of been the team to beat right now. And I think with 29 points first in the league, there's not much to, 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 you know, distinguish that you look in the East, there's a little more of a, there's a more, there's starting to be a split more at the top. I think NYCFC, Philly, Montreal, New York, Red Bulls have kind of emerged as the top teams, Orlando on the cusp of that. But uh, you look at the West, like after LAFC, like I think of Austin, they've been so good, yet they're just in fourth. And like all of a sudden there's six points off of uh, off of the playoff line. And like in my head, you're thinking, oh, they were one of the, the top teams. It's just to, not to say they've been bad. It's just it shows that like for as good as they've been they're they're still in such a precarious position. And there's this interesting middle split. So if the Whitecaps can push in that middle middle group, middle class, I think it'll be good because, again, another goal we say if you're going to add a bonus goal is host a playoff game. And way too early to be talking about that. Whitecaps still 10 points off of fourth, which is the lowest seed you could be to host a playoff game. A game in hand, obviously, on Austin, who was in fourth. You win that seven points off the line. It's not ridiculous again. And with especially you're playing pretty much everyone else again. I mean, hey, the Whitecaps somehow got six points off SKC which is uh, miraculous considering their history against them. You, you take that and maybe they can uh, get a, get some other results against the teams in, in the middle and go from there. But uh, enough about playoffs and hypothesizing and rescuing the season. Although it is nice to look at the standings w- without dread or, you know, existential pain, etc. Let's dive into some white caps, team news before we get back to some other individual and personal takeaways. But uh, Sam, I'll throw it to you first as we'll, we'll dive into some midfield updates here. Well, yeah, obviously since it's been a while um, that we've done the pod and, and there's been news and we're just going to kind of try to all the team news, bring it together, keep you up to date. And, and then obviously talk a little bit about what that, that means and one of the big ones is Andres Kubas finally seems like his paperwork is in order. He's received his passport, uh, but then he's also away with Paraguay on international duty for this break. So he's not going to join the squad right away, but obviously because he's, you know, 
on international duty should be in relative match fitness ready to go, which is really positive. And Vanny Sartini said uh, that he hopes Cubas would be ready or at least with the team for the match against Seattle. So uh, that'll be on the, the 15th of this upcoming month. So that's obviously the rescheduled matchup from the, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, but that's huge uh, to have a guy who's potentially, I mean, I don't want to say that he's going to start against Seattle, but someone who's ready for minutes right away and um, can provide that support in the midfield. Super, super exciting. Uh, yeah. And before we dive into anything else, I mean, Alex, just thoughts on uh, thoughts on that potential down the line, only, only one match away from maybe seeing Kubas in a, in a white cap shirt. Whitecaps need a midfield controller desperately. Like we've mentioned, they need that, uh, that, that guy who can, who can hold it down tackle. So you're telling me flow young birth is not the solution. He's the genotype of the solution. He, he's the prototype of what you want. He's just, you maybe might want a little advanced model. And uh, I think Andreas Kubas would certainly fill those shoes and then some. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Andreas Kubas, the Whitecaps need him. That is clear. That's why they signed him. I think that's why we're excited about the signing. Young, played in a good level, you know, good pedigree, getting called into a good national team. Lots to, lots to like for, for, for Andreas Kubas. And it's all lining up for them nicely here. I mean, knowing the Whitecaps, you just, you don't feel right. You don't feel right thinking like, oh, there's going to be some issue. But hey, they've ticked off the visa problem. They've ticked off the passport problem. Unless something, you know, out of this world happens while he's in with Paraguay. It's wild to think that you look June 14th, Seattle. And even then, forget those games. You know, you want to give him his integration. You want to get him in. It's He has FC Dallas on June 18th. And then it's June 22nd is the York United game, which is, again, if we're going to go off of Vanny Sartini's theme this year, that's the game, biggest game of the year for now until unless they win. And then it's the final. And then you got a run of three home games where you play New England, LAFC, Minnesota at home where three heavy hitters don't get me wrong but if you could get points off of those guys especially Minnesota and that last one and even if you can get a win off LFC to kind of send a message huge stretch if you can have Kubas in the midfield for those games that would be huge crucial so I think the timeline for for him it's promising hopefully how it works is he gets his, his fitness with Paraguay. He comes in. They use the Seattle game as a kind of, oh, get used to MLS. You're getting used to our tactics. Maybe the same against Dallas, just because it's a few days later. Go, you know, if you're going to go gung-ho, let him start against York United. Really let him dominate, try and dominate a game like that. I mean, York is a tough team in midfield, but I think Kubas, as we know, based on his pedigree, should be excited by that. And then hopefully by then the training wheels will come off for that stretch of home game. So, Hopefully the timeline is starting to look good. Knowing the white cap, something, a wrench might be thrown in those plans, but assuming he is good to go for Seattle, I'm really liking the timing of, of having Kubas in and it's uh, much needed for the white caps. And then obviously the other player on that front in the midfield, back in action, back playing minutes, albeit not for the first team, but he, so he was available for selection against SKC, but then actually played, in the MLS next match the following day, that being Kyle Alexandre, obviously took the, the prolonged off-season break, missed a good portion of last season dealing with that foot injury. Then he had the hand, but obviously, you know, able to ramp up a little bit quicker for match action with a hand injury than the foot. So uh, I don't actually know exactly how many minutes Kyle played 
in that MLS next match, but uh, sounds like things run off without a hitch. So again, Kyle might be on uh, a similar program for Seattle where he gets some minutes, probably not going to dive straight into the starting 11, but uh, especially excited Alex to see those two in the midfield come back into the squad at the same time, because I mean, a lot has been made of, you know, how the midfield's going to look different finally when these guys get in the mix. So if they're able to sort of integrate and, and build some chemistry right off the bat, I think that's pretty good timing considering everything Kyo's been through over the last 10, 12 months. So uh, excited for those two together. And, and as you said, you know, you laid out the, the schedule ahead, what uh, the potential there is. I think it's uh, it's good timing for this team. Yeah, so Kyle played 60 minutes against SKC2, uh, which is a very good run from a guy coming back of injury. You'd like to see 60 minutes. That's encouraging. But again, uh, to... the hand, I think, you know, he's been running. He's been all that rehab work he did to get back the first time. It's great that it hasn't gone to waste in the same way if it had been a hamstring, if it had been a groin. It's like all of a sudden now you're starting from square one again. But it, at least he was able to dodge the bullet in that regard. So, yeah, so hopefully with Kyle, hopefully I, I'd assume the plan is get him on the pitch against RSL. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 30. Uh, you know, first time you play on the Whitecaps BC Place turf, which is, you know, something that's wild to think. Maybe it gets, just gives him a chance to get used to and, and, and feel the surface. And then you come back against Seattle. He should hopefully be good to go. One of the nice things, I, I think, with the Whitecaps, which is really going to help them here, is like in terms of international duty, like they're not hit too, too bad. I mean, it's Kubas and Kava, yes, which are two big pieces. But I mean, there's no losing Goody this time. I think Javane Brown got called in, which has been unfortunate because he's really found his feet as of late. But other than those few, I mean, like some of the guys are, are, are you know, some of the potential call-ups for some of their other squads have, have stayed at home. So I think that'll be good for them in terms of, getting Kyle reps with the, with the first team around him getting, you know, some of their hopes Tristan Blackman's going to be back very soon. Hopefully he'll, he'll be able to come back during the Blake or the break. You get some reps with him. You get some reps with uh, Erica Doy as well. Who's starting to, to really look healthy and, and scoring, scoring some goals and, and having some, some moments defensively get that back three going together. I think this is going to be a good uh, moment for, for the white caps and in, 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 especially in the midfield and at the back to get some, some chemistry and whatnot. So timing's all looking well. I'm excited to see a Kayo and Kubas midfield. Give me some Kubas destruction. Give me some Kayo just running around like a, like an ergonomic, you know, machine alongside him, just playing passes, et cetera. Get me some Ryan Gold uh, playing in front of them and, and enjoying the freedom of not having to run around and cover every inch of blade of grass possible or turf, I guess, in the, the case of BC Place. And let's see how those guys do. So it's it's the reality is slowly, slowly inching closer to, to happening. Final thought here before we take a quick break. I know this is probably not something that they can keep records or track of, but Kyo has to be up there in terms of players that have gone the longest since signing with a team without actually playing on that team's like home pitch. I can't think of when would you have signed for a team and then gone was like 15, 16 months without playing on a home pitch for a team. I mean, obviously they kind of played 
home games in air quotes, but uh, oh, I was going to say the, the white caps, Toronto and Montreal have a whole, whole host of guys, especially guys who had, had signed. I guess it's just Kyle's unique in the sense he got injured, like literally one of the last games before returning. The timing home. was perfect. Yeah. I suppose if, if you're going from the, the record side of a uh, record side of it. So we're a few, I mean, it's, there were weren't there the some of the internationals signed at the start of 2020 like a wusu or bikel at mm-hmm. least i guess they had never played with fans they both played at bc place in those famed empty stadium games but they had never played with with fans which is wild to think i mean it, it was a wild it was a wild stretch i'm sure kyle alshander will love the bc place uh you know fans i feel like he's kind of be one of those kind of players that fans like he runs a lot he works hard he's kind of committed and and whatnot and i think it's just really been unfortunate uh i i just i want to see him play because you see some of the narrative maybe about him on social media like oh he's always injured etc cetera, etc cetera. and i mean yes it's gotten a bad run of health but i mean he was still a very excited player last year like, i feel like that's kind of been lost in the shuffle of things so i just want to see him out there and see him doing his thing again because there's a reason why the white caps paid four million for for him out of brazil you know, former teammate of Jao Paulo. He has pedigree. He's put some pretty damn good performances together for the White Caps. Like, just give me some more Kyle. Give me some more Kyle. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our friends at Macy's Sports, but we'll be right back after this. Hey, third sub listeners, Sam here with a quick word from our friends at Macy's Sports. Been a while since we did an ad read, so thought we'd update you on a couple of things available in store. Uh, first and foremost of those, Darby Magazine, issue number two, out now and available for purchase. Uh, if you like good storytelling about Canadian soccer, uh, it's a great writing, great photography, great overall aesthetic. It's a good publication for you. And uh, stories in there on Atiba Hutchinson, Daniel Henry, Julia Grosso as well. Obviously, gold medal winner, also Vancouver Whitecaps women's alumni. So that's awesome. Uh, but beyond Darby, you've also got um, some fresh offerings from Adidas on the boots front. Um, always apparel, uh, supporters gear, that kind of stuff as well. If you're looking to dive into the summer season with some new kit, or maybe just reading up on a few Canadian soccer stories, Macy's has the stuff for you. So uh, cheers to Macy's as always. Now we'll head back to the show. All right, we're back. And uh, we've got some more news to dive into as well as some other uh, notes. So we'll, we'll not waste any time. Ryan Galt. Sam, we will talk about Ryan. Well, yeah, I, I it's uh, funny because I, I I sense Alex, you don't want to say what I've got in the notes. This well, is I very was getting much to it. A, I was getting to it. This is very much a this is a sports radio talk show kind of take, right? Like I, it's not necessarily one our I fully endorse, but hey, we got to talk about it at this point because what we're, I mean, thirteen matches into the year not including Canadian championships or more 15 matches into the year. And we've already talked about on the show, like has Ryan Gold really been healthy or in fully fit yet? And when this is your, your feature player, your, your most important member of the squad, uh, you kind of have to ask like, is Ryan Gold just injury prone at this point? Cause he seems to, obviously the concussion stuff is kind of a, uh, 
a beast of its own variety, but in terms of the hamstring, some other muscular stuff, it's been a real struggle for Gall to stay on the pitch for extended periods. And uh, it's just, it's a tough situation because obviously um, when you, you waited so patiently and patiently to uh, bring in your number 10 high price DP, uh, you want them to be on the pitch all the time. And it's just, uh, I'm sure no one's more frustrated than Ryan. I uh, know just kind of from, you know, hearing from him, his mentality, his focus, I have no doubt he's doing everything possible to be out in the pitch, but he just can't seem to catch a break at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just tough. I think what it ultimately is, I think hopefully the white caps take their time with him. Um, and maybe, you know, it's, it's been unfortunate. Pedro Vite maybe hasn't integrated as some thought he would again, he's super young, no worries with him in terms of talent, but it was interesting. I think it was one of you or you, Sam or someone else had asked Randy Sertini about Pedro Vite a few weeks ago and Randy gave some interesting strong, answers about strong words on Vite. Uh, that was, I think that was Michael McCall. So give him a shout out. I'm, I'm often pressing on certain player questions, but that was not me on that one. Usually if I don't ask a question or, or vice versa, like we have each other's back there, we're always trying to figure out what's going on. But I mean, yeah, as you Actually, said, Danny, I'll Danny shout it out. I think very, it was JJ Adams who, oh, okay. who hopped on that one. So well credit to all the, the great, great colleagues, I suppose, uh, that we, that we have in this, but yeah, no, sorry. Like you mentioned, Vanny's comments were pointed and direct. It was, he needs to work harder. He needs to be more intense. He needs to find out how to control games, show his skill, et cetera. So until he figures it out, maybe this is the push he needs. I think just with Gall, it's kind of, it feels like it's all catching up to him in a sense, not in the head injuries, that sort of stuff you can't predict. And again, you just hope for, for full health there. Cause those sorts of things can ruin players, unfortunately, just with the nature. But I think for the body we're seeing just like last year, like he played a full season in Portugal, came, went right into a full season with the white caps and was playing so much so much travel to last year for the white caps, the way it jogged out at the end. Like, you you know, it felt like one week they're at home and one week they're trekking down to Colorado and then back up and then down to LA and Texas and et cetera. And like, I remember talking to him last year and he was like, that's one thing he mentioned. He's like, it's the travel is just wild to him. He was like, this is the heat, the change in temperatures playing on turf a lot at BC place on that run of home games. The white caps had, not saying that it did catch up to him, but it feels like it is like he only he, season ended. What the, kind of, I guess one of the annoying things of the white caps playoff run is you make the playoffs. It, it, it happens like after that international break. So I think they played was like November 23rd. What that means is you had December off and they started preseason in January. So it's like the, the season started in February this year. That's not a lot of rest for a guy like Gold, who it kind of reminds me of Alejandro Pozuelo. And I guess it would have been, Oh boy. I think that 20, it was that 2019 season he signed with uh, TFC fresh off a of season with gank where he played like, it was something like he ended up playing like 70 or 80 games across a year and a half. And he was fantastic the first season, but then he kind of hit a wall to start the second season. And like, I think that's fair with, with Ryan Gold if the, the body's catching up. So hopefully they allow him now to take his time again, the head injury, the, the health and safety protocol, that's just bad luck. That sort of stuff. You can't write, you can't, you can't predict, but, uh, the muscle injuries are a bit worrying, but maybe this, you know, for example, for this RSL game, if you don't need, if he's not ready, don't play him. Give him, he's not going to play for Scotland this break. Uh, you, you give him the, the the extra week off and then let him come back and ease in. Cause I think a healthy Ryan gold 
from matches 17 onwards or the the gold we've seen for for you know the rest of the season i'd prefer the healthy gold and uh, you know it's just yeah maybe if it's catching up to him let him let him get his rest and if that means giving pedro vt another go or giving some of the other guys a go or when you know with the, these new midfielders coming back maybe it's trying kayo as a number 10 you know do what you need to do to give gold all the time he needs because uh, the white caps are, are much better off when he's firing at all cylinders I was just going to say to talk about those guys again before the break briefly. Like I think that Kubas and Alshandre back in the fold gives you the flexibility to sit out Gold for a match and, you know, play without a number 10, go for a different shape in the midfield, or as you said, push someone like Kayo into a more advanced role or even, Hey, if, what it is for Ryan Gold right now is he can only go 65 minutes. They've, they've got to be careful to not, to not push him into that red zone to have the depth to be able to do that and not feel like you're sacrificing a ton out there on the pitch. Obviously, you're going to be sacrificing something without Ryan Gold at 100%. But uh, to be able to make those business decisions with a little bit more flexibility in the midfield, I think is going to be really really important as the season goes on because i think your evaluation is totally right alex like just that that wear and tear of two full seasons essentially or you know a season and a half all bundled into one no real break adjusting to travel you can see why it's caught up to him i think that's a really good point so uh hopefully they can manage it i mean you know hey ryan raposo's good look good this year if you need a, a number 10 in waiting at times. I know if you ask Ryan, that's where he would say he'd like to play. Give um, me that, please. If, if you're not ready for Pedro Vite yet, but also, you know, hopefully Pedro Vite's heeding the messages of Vanny Sartini and will start to impress. And then maybe he can play a bigger role too. So, I mean, I'm glad we brought it up because I think that kind of fleshes out a, a better picture of what's going on with Ryan Gold. Because I do think, you know, people who are just dropping in to the white caps that haven't really been paying much attention, probably not people listening to this podcast, but might be go, well, Hey, where's Ryan Gold? Where's that Scottish guy you signed last year? Kind of wondering what's going on. Um, but you know, you want to paint a bigger picture of why maybe he's, you know, he doesn't have eight goals and five assists so far this year. And I, I think it's understandable. I just hope that he can, peak with the team at the right time as the season goes on. They just need to work towards that point. Exactly. I think it's getting him full fitness and Hey, he can be kind of like a new signing, like the term, the white caps love to. Um, Yeah. Axel Schuster will love that one. He can be a new signing for the white caps as he gets healthy. Uh, But uh, continuing down the, the, the notes, what is it with white caps midfielders? Like it's, it's something we got another injury. I guess to kind of dive into Russell Tybert, the Whitecaps, every man, uh, you know, the, the minute muncher, he has suffered a rare injury, which like, first of all, I mean, yeah, you have to credit his health. The fact that like over his what, 11 years, this, he's always just found a way to, to stay relatively healthy. This one, a little harder to, to dodge, not, not something that that wraps and then lifting weights can do. Unfortunately, he suffered an eye injury, which is always a bit of a worry. So hopefully his, his, his eyes are all right. Suffered in the cavalry game, took a bit of a, like a finger or something out or the ball to the eye or something like that. Uh, sounds like it scratched like a, his cornea it was or something of that, like tough blow for Tybert for the white caps opens up something in midfield 
I mean, with Kubas so close to coming, Kyle Alshandri so close to coming, you know, the, the white caps, you know, and you, Wusu's been, you know, coming back as well. And he's, he, he had his moment against Dallas where he really blew, you know, blew me off the, the, the blew me out of the water in terms of what I was expecting from a Wusu since then it hasn't maybe, you know, maybe that, that Dallas game kind of peaked for, for him in terms of his return to injury as he finds his feet, Sebastian Burhalter continues to, to, to have his moments, but uh, you know, no Russell Tybert, why, you know, whether or not what you agree about Russell Tybert and his performance this year, because there's no doubt he's slipped up significantly from last year for a white caps team. That's like on the cusp of getting a bunch of guys back. It is still a bit of a depth stretcher. I mean, credit to Michael Waldesmo for stepping up, for example, is one of them, but uh, I mean, I guess a bad timing for, for, for an injury as the midfield depth continues to get stretched. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, heal up to, to rusty and obviously like anything I related, I'm always nervous about like, remember that the Manny Malhotra moment from the Canucks way, way back in the day, right? Like you just, you know, if you don't have to deal with facial injuries, it's just something you'd prefer to stay away from. So hopefully Rusty's doing all right, healing up. uh, And, and hopefully we see him back out on the pitch soon, but yeah, in the meantime, I mean, as you mentioned, Leo Wusu really oppressed against Dallas, but then looking back, you know, two 45-minute performances in Charlotte and then uh, at SKC. And just when I look back at the stats, because I was kind of after Dallas, I was excited. It's like, yeah, what's Leo? Super what's Leo going to be able to do? And, you know, he's starting in the midfield. He's been waiting so long for this. And just you go and you look at the statistical categories, the touches, like – it just it feels like Leo, if he doesn't get on the ball early and sort of get a feel for the match, he just gets played out of it. Like his teammates don't find him. Maybe that's you know that's down to him not being in the right spots. So he's not an option for a pass. And he doesn't get the ball. Then he doesn't really impact the game. And we know that Leo is a guy that's better when he's on the ball, better making runs. And uh, yeah, just the last couple times, you know the last 90 minutes combined that he's played have been pretty rough. So I think that's unfortunate because I don't know if I see him getting a massive opportunity now with all these bodies coming back into the fold. Uh, So we'll have to see what Leo can get, but yeah, I mean, this was initially about Tybert. So, so hope Tybert's well. And, And yeah, you want him as a depth piece off the bench. I think we'd be in, We've been consistent about that for a long time. Like Rusty's a good squad player. You just don't want him starting as a, you know, as a central feature of a two-man pivot. That's just not our cup of tea. But, uh, you know, takes nothing away from obviously what he what he brings to the team. So uh, hopefully he's back in relatively short order. But a uh, couple more injuries, health and safety news and notes here, Alex. All right, just a couple, yeah, quick injury updates for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Bad news first, I suppose. Christian Dahome obviously exited the Whitecaps game around the 27th minute against SKC. No update on him, which I guess is uh, good and bad news. Um, not not 100% sure uh, with that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. It's been a bit of an up-and-down season for Christian Dahome. hasn't necessarily always been at his best, but still an important part of this Caps team. Feels like he's close to turning the corner. Hopefully he can be all good. We'll get an update, I assume, soon this week. So stay tuned uh, for that. Hopefully it's good news for Dahomey. 
Otherwise, Brian White looks to be back from health and safety protocols, uh, which he, he entered just before Charlotte, given the timeline. Should be good to go, if not sometime before the RSL game, uh, which, again, given how good him and Lucas Cavallini were in that FC Dallas game right before the yeah, you know, at the beginning of this show that we spoke of, give me some more white, give me some more Cava together. I think it's time, given how dominant Cavallini has continued to look, given uh, the flashes that Brian White's shown, barely has played and still has two goals, which given the white caps, low scoring habits is one of the top scorers on the the team uh, right now. Cause actually looks Cavallini with four in MLS play uh, Ryan Raposo with two to St. Ricketts with two Ryan White with two, all competitions you add in Ryan Raposo with three uh, gets him up to, to second. So White, despite his injuries and, and whatnot, still tied for second in team scoring. So it'll be good to to have him back, hopefully playing with Cavallini. Yeah, hopefully the Whitecaps can uh, improve that goal scoring record just a little bit. Uh, that's that's tough when you're you're tied for second with two goals at this point in the season. But okay. I mean, I don't have really anything to add on the white front other than it'll be good to see him back in the lineup. And I think with Cavallini having such success uh, to have him as, you know, either a super sub option or to be able to start those two up front together when you think that's the right tactical fit, that's a, it's a great tool to have. So very excited about that. Again, just kind of like Ryan Gold, like hopefully guys that can stay healthy match fit because it's been a struggle so far this year. But uh, I just wanted to, we're going to finish off, not finish off the show, but, you know, wind into the second part of our show here with just some, some themes that have stood out uh, throughout the last four matches since we did our last podcast. And I, you know, the first one I put down on the list, Alex, one that's been a surprise, I must admit has been the solid play of Cody Cropper. It's, you know, it hasn't been phenomenal. He's not been been standing on his head, uh, jumping through hoops between the sticks, but uh, pretty much everything you want in a reliable backup keeper, I think within his own area, just in terms of like those aggressive punches in particular, something that's really, really stood out from his play. Like he, he gets up for those balls. And uh, I think just the white fact that the Whitecaps have been able to find someone uh, that seemed at least like a good value signing so far has to be credited. And uh, I mean, I don't know where, I don't think we're on this block, Alex, but I've had people in the comments with the 86 forever uh, content saying that they want Cody Cropper to keep the net when Thomas Assal returns. So whatever you make of that, obviously Cropper's created some, some positive buzz around his play, which I think is just a, a credit to the good job he's done in relief of his saw recently. I'll never understand goalkeepers in this uh, sport, at least statistically. <laughs> you look at the stats, you look at Cropper's stats, you just feel like it might not work out. He, yet he comes in and he's the, the play, but it's just seemingly been the fit in the system for me. Like, you know, the way he... He's a bit of an old school keeper. You know, he doesn't, he's not great with his feet. The fact the Whitecaps have gone from playing a lot of balls short, to long, you know, things like that. But he, for whatever reason, he's kind of needed in gold in terms of their, their last organized. Uh, they, they seem to, to, you know, I don't know if it's because having him come Whitecaps stepped up because they want to throw him or what, but 
uh, you know, it's, for whatever reason, Cropper has just fit in well. And that's a good thing for the Whitecaps. And I think it'll be good when Thomas is all back. So I think it, it'll be his goal uh, still. But I think for the Whitecaps, I mean, I, hey, hopefully they can, can have crop uh, in front of significantly something they haven't with Cropper yet and uh, hopefully you know Hassal as well this time off will have given him a chance to kind of hit the reset button watch some games uh, take some notes and, and and come back even better than uh, than he was before but I've been impressed with Cropper in the sense that he surprised me he's had his moments I think of that penalty shootout against Calvary too some kind of confident save to help the White Cat and it's been a really good stretch for Cropper and it's just been a see because Always nice to see these guys who've grind their way through the MLS and USL pipelines to kind of get a run like this and impress. And the Vancouver Whitecaps have been a real uh, USL veteran ground for keepers these last couple of years. Like they seem to just pick up a new guy every year. Um, and, and yeah, you know, huge credit to Cropper for, for stepping up to the plate and that and putting in some good performances. So I mean, that's, it's one that stood out, certainly. But the, the next thing I want to talk about was defensive tweaks. Already talked about it, but the decision that they went with at Kansas City, uh, playing all the fullbacks at once. And, you know, in particular, I think you've got to give a shout out to not only Javane Brown, who, we, who we've talked about before and kind of shouted out as someone who's performed well over these past series of matches, but also Jake Nerwinski with a little bit more defensive support. Uh, I think especially the way you had Flo Youngverse sitting deep and, uh, and the fullbacks in Godinho and Gutierrez, you know, just up above um, kind of got, you've been able to get more out of Javane, more out of Jake, because you're not asking as much out of them defensively in one V ones. And I think that that's been a really good tweak by Vanny Sartini. And then obviously, as you mentioned earlier, with someone like Tristan Blackman coming back, Eric Godoy, hopefully building up to, to be able to go more full matches, then less and less, you'll be asking Javane and Jake to, uh, to do such a lion's share of the defensive duty. So I thought for, for guys that had really struggled earlier in the year and, and, you know, look frankly bad at times, they've, they've had resurgences, these last three or four matches and I'm happy to see it for those guys, especially Javane after such a, a good rookie season to, uh, to start to bounce back. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know what it's been, but uh, for, for whatever reason, the white caps ever since Vanny went for that little tease of the back four, I don't know what it was. Maybe the white caps just needed like a mental refresh. Maybe they got kind of too comfortable. I too think men- mentality switch, just something to kind of change their attitude defensively. It seems whatever it is, it's, it's really worked. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm still, I do not under, you know, one thing with Vanny Sartini, I love the ideas. I love the tactics. I just, I, I don't get the consistently playing everyone out of position. Like I'm all for a few experiments. I'm all for like, you know me, if, if, if I can think a guy can play out of position, I'm the first one to, to just scream it from the rooftops. I don't just get the continued experimentation, especially at the beginning of the year when it wasn't working. But uh, I think the, the white cap system is really starting to look like their own again. And I think that's key because I think the back three, it was just getting too stretched, too isolated, too deep. 
you know, settling into bad habits. And now it's just, they look so much more engaged. They're winning duels. They're not letting teams get into dangerous areas. They're limiting chances against them. And, and there, it doesn't matter who the heck's playing. So, I mean, credit for Nowinski and Brown for stepping up within that. Javane Brown in particular, because he's just been, you know, I thought as of late, he'd been starting to look like the rookie season Brown offensively. And the fact that he's had to step in at center back and sacrifice that offense and yet has had some really good games. Nowinski as well, bouncing back after a tough stretch for, for him. I, I think that that bodes well, because, I mean, yeah, when, you know, f- f- Tristan Blackman and Erica Doy are fully healthy, are they, you know, are they going to start? Probably not. I think you'd logically like to think it'd be Ranko, Godoy, and Blackman, uh, you know, if those three are healthy. But uh, just knowing that Jake, you know, and 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 Jervain can be serviceable, you know, the double J's, the, the, the if they can be serviceable in that that center back role, that's something good for the Whitecaps to have. And one nice thing is with Jake and, and Jervain is when they're playing. Uh, and one thing I noticed with, with Norwinsky in particular this year he kind of almost felt timid and cautious at times but when he's kind of engaged he has fantastic physical skills for for a center back i mean he's stocky enough for getting muscled by guys but he's quick and he can get back and recover and felt like times this year he, he was just kind of lost it certainly play a role in the, that position so I think it's been a good, you know, bit of a period for the Whitecaps at the back, just in terms of the system and how the guys have adjusted and stepped up and, and, and you know, kind of erased some of the, the bad defensive issues they had at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, huge credit to those guys along with Vanny for whatever it was. They, they found a way to, to make some changes and, and, and make the most out of, you know, less than, less than stellar circumstances with Godoy struggling. Blackman going out being one of their best defenders and now, you know, reinforcements are on the way. So I think that's really, really positive, but uh, I can't believe it's really been this long, Alex, before we've talked about this for an extended period, but Lucas Cavalini in some of his best form in a white cap shirt, I would say easily his best form in a white cap shirt, you know, not just the goal scoring, because that's something that even when Cavill was struggling and, he still found a way most of the time to find the back of the net. Um, it's been the fact for me, especially in games without Ryan Gold, that he's been that facilitator, that focal point, uh, so good in hold-up play, uh, so good with crosses, uh, creating opportunities. I mean, he helped set up Daber Caicedo for what could have been a absolute dagger in the SKC match. And I think that just exemplified his confidence, his touch, um, you know, little cheeky back heels, things like that in the edge of the box. Um, obviously the, the penalty kick itself, which was um, both penalty kicks, which were cheeky as well. It's clear the confidence is running high. Uh, but again, for me, I mean, what did I say, Alex, when we, when we went into the year that for me, it was never about the physical tools with Cava. It was always, you know, would he bring his mental toolbox and would that actually, uh, you know, see him play the kind of football he's capable of. And I feel like with a lot of the off ball stuff, a lot of the buildup play stuff, we're starting to see a, a mentally committed, a, a mentally determined Cava. And I, I feel like that's made all the difference. Lucas Cavallini. I mean, uh, He's been fun. He's been really freaking fun uh, to, to watch, for lack of a better way to, to put it. I mean, 
right now with Kava, it's it's been everything. It's just been his hold up play. It's been his his, you know, how he's just taking down balls without any worries, running the channels. He's working so hard defensively, like we know he can. He's tackling still. Uh, you know, he's he's playing with you know his heart on his sleeve. He's passionate. He's 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 towing the the line, but in a good way for the most part. Other than the the occasional slip up here and there, it's just him shooting a volume shooting for the first time in a white cap shirt he's showing that el tanque but he's showing some finesse some delicate you know those two panencas in a week some other really delicate moments his playmaking like at cavalini is just doing everything you want from a striker and then something. he's looking like a five million dollar striker for the first time for 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 the white caps and i think that's huge because there's so much you know there's so many implications for that i mean you you talked heading into this year, what would you do with Cavallini? I mean, do you sell him at a loss? Do you, you know, give him a run and see what happens? But now his contract's up the end of this year. He has an option for 23 with how MLS rules go, like with the, the contract only applying over the guaranteed years, there's a strong chance he could, uh, he could be a TAM player next year, which is just exciting to imagine if he keeps up this form, like he looks happy to be in a Vancouver Whitecaps shirt right now. He's playing with joy, uh, with, with freedom he's looking cocky for a lack of a better way to put it but I think Cavallini's at his best when he's cocky and playing with a smile like when's the last time Lucas Cavallini played with a smile he no longer looks like the most down bad individual in, in Vancouver just the way he was running around and and moping almost sometimes in, in games like there's just been so much to like with Cavallini and that's huge for the Whitecaps now that's huge for the Whitecaps in the future uh, and yes, we'll be realistic. It's just four goals and three assists. I think it is two of them penalties, but he should have so much more. He's really found his feet as of late. Uh, and I feel like Cava's just, if he keeps this up, he's going to have such a strong end of the season, which is super exciting. Yeah. I mean, honestly, who cares about the goals and the assists? It's just, you know, showing that complete forward potential that he, that he showed in Mexico that the the Whitecaps believed they were getting initially. And as you said, I mean, just to go from the start of this year where you're, you're talking about moving them on, selling them at a loss, whatever, to now, I, I think there's multiple positive scenarios. Either, you know, you're able to get something for him, and, and if he wants to go back to Mexico, if he wants to go elsewhere. Uh, but at the same time, as you laid out, if you could have Lucas Cavallini as a TAM player, playing the way he is currently, you would certainly take that all the way to the bank. So, I mean, I think this is a player who very clearly uh, wants to push for a spot in that World Cup squad, not just in the squad, but to to actually see minutes at the World Cup. And, he, and he's playing like he's motivated by that at the moment. So it's uh, terrific to see good news for the Whitecaps. And yeah, just exciting, as you said, to See Cavill look like he's enjoying his football in Vancouver. I don't know if I could genuinely say that at any point prior to this. These last couple of matches, really most of this year, honestly, he's looked relatively positive, relatively enthused to be in a white cap shirt. And uh, that's a nice change of pace. Well, that's it for sure. I mean, it's it's just everything with Cavallini. We heard at the beginning of the year, obviously, the whole Oh, he's in the best shape of his life. But you kind of wonder, like, okay, is that, you know, is that going to translate to the football pitch? But obviously he's been working hard. He's been grinding and training. Every time you ask Vanny Sartini about Cavallini, he just has great things to say about his leadership, what he's bringing in training, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all just leading to, to this. And that that's massive for, 
for the white caps. Cause again, they, especially with Brian White's injury struggles with Gold's injury struggles, Cal was really, I think we talk about why the white caps have been able to stay afloat without those two among others. It's been Cav has been carrying the load in, in a big way. And that's what you want from your $5 million player for the first time. Like, like we mentioned, it's looking like a full fledged uh, DP. And then that's what you need from your DPs, especially in a league like MLS. So it's awesome to see with Cavs because again, it's not just the production, the play. It's just the way he just looks like he's enjoying himself. And you always want to see that from from a player like him. And because uh, then when he's on and, and he's feeling it, he's super fun to watch. And I think that's something that the Whitecaps, you know, they need right now. They need players who are fun to watch because sometimes at the beginning of this year it was grind. It was a stylistically wasn't always fun to watch. You need guys who are fun to watch and fan favorites and then bring that sort of personality and when Cavalini is clicking you can you can bring that edge to him absolutely okay last player topic here before we we just chat a little bit of rsl and then we'll wrap up the show david caicedo a guy who's seen a lot of minutes so far this year and i mean we were chatting about it pre-show like in terms of chance creation, in terms of exciting moments, in terms of getting in the right areas, he's been doing all the all the right things. But uh, for Daber at the moment, it just seems like he's always a step or two away, um, you know, a foot or two away on the pass, um, a, you know, a step or two away on the run from being in the right spot, from converting that goal scoring opportunity, from you know, converting the pass that leads to an assist. So. I mean, what do you think, Alex? Is this just down to a young player still adjusting to the the pace of the game in MLS, or is this just more something we've talked about before, the fact that for Daber there isn't a natural tactical fit in this Vanny Sartini system, and maybe that's just holding him back a little bit. And The question we have on the, on the notes here is, what do you do with Daber Caicedo? How do you get the most out of him? So uh, curious for your thoughts. He's just so damn close, for lack of a better way to yeah. to, to, to put fine it. lines, just, truly fine lines for Daber right now. Like he's like, what kills me is I looked at his FB ref chart just for curiosity because we obviously watch Daber a lot. I test for stats and all that. All of his numbers in the attacking section are green, which means like he's you know above average MLS average and all those like XG expected assists shots you know, chances created, shot creating actions. The only non-green offensive stat yet was just straight up goals. Like it was actual goals. Like he's literally doing everything but put the ball in the net. And, and I think that just sums up Diber right now. I mean, he's getting all the right chances. It feels like he's just, you kind of mentioned it pre, uh, you know, we we're talking pre-show. It just feels like he's, you know, almost like a, if something's a bit off about the game speed. Like he's not 100% processing the game like a player who will dominate the league. And I think it's coming, which is not to say, you know, he can't be dominant. I think it's coming in flashes, uh, you know, but it just feels like moments. Like I think of that breakaway against SKC, great run, great idea to go for the chip. And he just misses it by an inch. Like a player who's confident, who's feeling who's dominant. He buries that without ease. And I think that's coming for Dyberg Caicedo. I just think maybe with tactical fit, wow, how he's playing now. Cause the thing is with Dyberg, for better, for worse, he plays like a hundred miles an hour. It's go, go, go. It's running. It's taking guys on. And he's been asked sometimes plays a number 10 or as a second striker. Uh, whereas that, that, that go, go, go really fits on the wing, which is why he's a winger and why he's super good there. 
And I think if he's going to want to have to play in the system, he's going to have to find a way to slow things down and, and like, you know, or, or when he's in the box, just find a way to take that extra second and make the right decision. Uh, Cause with him, it's so close. It just feels like it's that, that last action and figuring out that last action and, Yes, the fit certainly hasn't helped him, but it's just moments like that where it drives you up the walks. You see the tantalizing nature, and that was last year too. Somehow finished with like five goals, five assists, which is a credit to him. Felt like he could have had 10 goals. Like he was just always so close, and it's just he, he's figuring that part of his game out, and hopefully he can soon because uh, when he does, I think he'll be super fun to watch for the Whitecaps, as he already is fun. It's just so tantalizing close on many occasions. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's something else too that, so throughout this whole discussion we've had about the white caps the last hour or so um, we, we touched on, you know, midfield additions kind of ramping up at the right time. Someone like Ryan Gold getting back to, to full speed, uh, Lucas Cavallini rounding it for him, Brian White returning the squad, but you've also got Daber who hasn't looked his best this season. I mean, we didn't even really touch on it too, too much, but Christian Dahomey, has not looked great this year. Uh, you haven't seen the best out of him. So I think if you can get some of these uh, secondary contributors really at this point to, you know, hit the ground running as, as the season progresses, then the, uh, the projection, the overall look for this Whitecaps team is even better. So um, almost with that diaper conversation, I want to make it a positive where it's like, Hey, in addition to the fact that you have these reinforcements coming, you're hoping to have a healthier squad you also have guys like Daber who haven't shown everything they have to offer yet. And I think that's, that's incredibly exciting for this team. If I, if I'm painting this really optimistic picture, which I'm, I'm talking myself into it more and more here. I mean, Hey, I think it's, that's the thing with the young attacking players. It's never a bad thing. It takes time to get consistency. It takes time to, to get that going. I mean, there's always going to be a, yes, a young hot shot kid who goes out and scores, but Hey, even that's fickle. Look at Ricardo Pepe was scoring for fun in MLS. And now he's, he, I think he hasn't scored since October, which feels wild in my head. Cause it feels like yesterday where he was lighting MLS and the, the U S uh, a, a blight with his, his goal. So uh, I think with Diber it's, it's coming. And I think there's a lot to be encouraged about is yes, it can be frustrating, but that's just the, the curve of a young player who's in his second year in a new country, new league, new position, et cetera, like that takes time. So I've, Zero worries with Dybrick, I said. Only only good good things to, to say other than maybe his, his just putting the ball in the net. Okay, well, real quick before we wrap up the show here, obviously the, uh, the upcoming schedule for the Whitecaps, a little bit quieter, not as chaotic as previously, which is obviously very good. But as we mentioned, RSL this upcoming weekend, a, a team that was in a very similar position to the Whitecaps last year, uh, coaching change, you know, fighting for a playoff spot, but then they've been on a really strong run of form to start the year, only three losses, and they actually got three wins coming into this matchup with Vancouver, a 2-1 victory over Austin FC, a 2-1 victory over CF Montreal, and then a 3 nil victory over the Houston Dynamo um, best in XG in all three of those matches as well. So uh, getting it done and, uh, and deservedly so, and you know, they've, they've been in this four, four, two, five matches in a row now making that switch and uh, four wins the show for it. So 
this has been a team that's that's turned things around at the end of last year and really been able to carry it over. Um, you know, some some familiar names, some new additions. Alex, your thoughts on on anything you've seen from RSL thus far and then what kind of challenge the Whitecaps can expect just quickly here before we sign off. All I have to say is four four wins in, in the last five games in MLS play. They lost to the the North Colorado Hailstorm, <laughs> the USL League One team, I think it was, in the US Open Cup obviously stung them because they've been on fire since and they beat some good teams like Austin home Montreal away LA Galaxy at home Houston Dynamo at home they've been a lot better at home just typical it's MLS like just you know that's, that's always gonna be the nature but uh yeah it's just there's been a lot to like with RSL under uh Pablo Mastroni they, they you know they decide to to you know keep him around and He's obviously really found his, his, his feet there uh, for, for, for RSL. And they just, you know, they, they've always had a solid bit of a solid roster, but uh, I think we're, we're, we're really, <laughs> they're always just kind of there and they, they always, you know, find a way to get a job done. But you look at someone like a Sergio Cordova, who they were able to bring in the Venezuelan who's, who's been finding his form up front. You look at some of the the spine they already had in midfield. You got Bobby Wood up and running, who was a you know a forgotten signing for them. Because I always felt like they're a solid team, but they needed attack. And now they've got Cordova, they've got Wood on top of a solid team of guys like Justin Glad and Marcel, you know, Marcelo Silva at the back and you know the Pablo Ruiz in midfield. And you had in the you know the new the, the Jasper lawful lawful send you know some of those guys they've been able to, to plug in around some of their their core pieces it's been a smart off season i think it's uh it's been slowly paying off for them other than maybe their u.s open cup debacle yeah i'll just give a shout out to uh to michael chang as well a longtime real monarchs player who's been off to a hot start one goal four assists already on the season um so big shout out to him and this is an rsl team that's kind of got it done by committee so far this year you know you got three guys with three goals um you know a, a bunch of players on a goal uh pablo Ruiz three assists justin miram three assists to go along with michael chang's four uh bobby wood finding a little bit of form as you mentioned obviously cordova in the new addition still got justin glad dummy Krylock, obviously uh, the the MLS fantasy menace that he is always getting involved offensively. So, you know, it's a, it's a decent team. They've been able to make little tweaks and and add some pieces where it's made sense. So uh, you also got shout out former white cap, Zach McMath, who's uh, holding things down in goal. I can't forget about that. And he's having a bit of a, I mean, I don't want to say late career resurgence because he's, he's only, uh, He's still under 31, but, uh, but still, you know, a bit surprising there, but, but shout out to him. And uh, I, you know, I think this is a, obviously a challenge for the Whitecaps to, to face another good team in good form. But at the same time, this doesn't feel like, uh, like an insurmountable uh, team, especially if the Whitecaps get a couple key pieces back. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a good game, I think for the Whitecaps. Uh, again, be interesting to see what happens with some of the international duty players who's able to fully be available and, and back and, and healthy, et cetera, for this game. But at home, if they can grab a, a win here, this would be absolutely massive for them, especially given uh, RSL's late run as of late. They're standing in, in you know, in, in the, 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 
the standings. Uh, it's going to be a good moment for, for the Whitecaps to potentially grab a victory. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. And it could be one that if they get this win, all of a sudden their season looks so, so different on the other side of the international break, which uh, again, like we mentioned, the top of the show is super exciting. Yeah. And obviously after that, you got a, a 10 day break before the Whitecaps take on the Sounders. So um, things a little bit more slow paced uh, gives an opportunity to, to heal up and uh, prepare for this summer run of matches, which uh, could see the Whitecaps get back in the playoff picture uh, really makes things interesting. Hopefully we see, you know, some big crowds at home, some interest restored in the team because I mean, I have to say I'm, I'm not at the stadium anymore, um, but seeing it on TV has, has been tough. There've been a couple of pretty empty buildings. So I hope, you know, if you got, um, some Canadian championship matches, some some matches with playoff implications, some Cascadian Canadian rivalries uh, that can make for some some big spectacles at home and uh, show Kyle Alshandre just how great BC place can be. Exactly, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you can grace the field and maybe get a goal and an assist. Because again, like we mentioned, it was long overdue, but. Uh, on that note, maybe we'll be back with some uh, some more pregame content ahead of that. With the, you know, nice thing about finding a little bit of schedule stability is that we'll be able to to, to do more stuff like that. So I'm sure if if we do anything, you you'll hear about it on the third of sub socials. And uh, on that note, I think that's a good spot to end episode 135. If there are any audio issue uh, audio issues, sorry, uh, we we're trying our best to, to work through them in the post production. Just a bit of for the first time in however many episodes, the, the, UK, the UK to Vancouver connection finally caught up to us. But uh, jokes aside, even if it wasn't that, uh, for whatever reason, just had a bit of issues today. Hopefully it is all well. But uh, thanks again for, for everyone to, to listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Kongeruzic at BTS Fan City, BTS Fan City and .com. All my written work, one soccer, CPL, etc. will be on there. And on that note, I'll throw it over to Sam to close off this edition of the show. Yeah, if you have any complaints about the connection quality, about the audio quality on this podcast, take it up with Virgin Media UK. I might be having a stern word with them after this one because they've been having a shocker tonight. But uh, hopefully it's not been too bad on the podcast and Alex can work his magic, clean things up. but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It's, it's obviously been a while, but yeah, we're going to, these matches not coming quite as fast now. We can, we can catch up and, uh, and yeah, we'll see if there's some time for some RSL content before the match this upcoming weekend. Uh, but hope everyone's enjoyed this last little stretch. Hope everyone's enjoyed the podcast. You can find me as always at Samuel underscore Redbird on Twitter at a6forever.com for all of our written awesome. stuff. Awesome, and uh, awesome. you can find this podcast at Third All Sub right. Pod on Twitter, the Third yeah, Sub you know Instagram. For, uh... All right, well, that about wraps it up for us. Uh, we'll chat again soon.